three farm bills have been passed by the parliament of india but there are some protests going on in some parts of the country what is this controversy let's dive deeper into it hello everyone i am rahul devdar i am prasanna naidu and you are listening to the right views podcast in this episode we are going to discuss these farm bills the controversy and how we can help the farmers okay let's start from the actual start these bills were introduced and passed as an ordinance before a few months ago i think in june but the protests are going on now and the politicians and opposition parties are like amplifying it a lot now and not when it was passed as an ordinance then so what the actual controversy and why these people are protesting now instead of then rahul can you explain this actually that is the most funny part about this because uh, if you look at ordinance when the parliament is not in session uh, government has the power to introduce laws which come into effect in the form of ordinance now this ordinance is passed by the government of india and not by the parliament so this is you know if such laws which are presented as ordinance have there is a problem in the society then they should the opposition parties should have actually asked the government to bring those laws bring those ordinances in the parliamentary session right then they should have started the protest back in june not now so there is definitely an ulterior motive behind this uh, this uh, protest uh-huh. the, so what's the ulterior motive <laughs> the ulterior motive is basically the elections which are coming very close and if you it's like punjab election it's yes and uh, you know it's like in the ipl the timing is everything if you hit the ball too early then you are going to get out so in june if the protest would have started they would have fizzled out by now whereas if you start them now and you you know keep them active for some time then probably you can draw on some benefits in the elections but uh, the interesting part is who are protesting and that that tells you the whole story now in uh, in rural uh, parts we call them fortuner farmers so which means farmers who own uh, this you know the the big suv toyota fortuner and they drive around oh, in <laughs> who, who are these farmers who own these, ah, these, these fortuner centers actually these farmers are very well known people like uh, uh, you know they could be i'm not saying <laughs> they are but uh, some of them like you know amitabh bachchan is also a farmer oh. <laughs> then supriya sude is also a farmer and pretty successful farmer at that so then maybe sharad pawar is also a farmer sharad pawar is the king of farmers actually so okay. uh, that apart but there are many others who are basically uh, politicians they are uh, government officials or ex government officials who have channeled their uh, illegal uh, earnings into farm sector and these people are the primary uh, you know protesters and they have no real connection to uh, subsistence farming or even farming and earning and breaking even the you know from the produce so they are not earning their livelihood from uh, these farms that they are talking okay, so the, these are the farmers who sit in who the parliament yes uh, who are protesting against the bill okay so uh, we came to know about fortuner farmers please note down this term you we may use it in later episodes too <laughs> okay 
let's now move forward with the bills what's the problem with the bills uh, some people are saying that it is good it will it will help farmers grow their income but some are opposing it why why is that so basically if you look at the opposition the opposition to these bills come from uh, two main quarters one is the apmc act and these bills are trying to subvert the apmc act is what people say and apmc act is supposedly very beneficial to the farmers and that's why you know it protects and gives farmers a uh, you know in theory at least a higher price for their produce so why are farmers bypassing this and why is government wanting before that before that let's clarify for those who don't know apmc is agricultural produce market committee so these committees are formed under an act that is i think the apmc act right exactly yeah. so like there are mandis uh, like markets under these apmc committees where there are middlemen to which these farmers go and sell their produce yes not in that way but what happens is each mandi is allocated a geographical area so it could be let's say within a, a 15 square mile area or 20 square miles is ideal but in actual it's like 200 kilometer area is is being served by one mandi somewhere it is 50 45 like that yeah so farmers in this have... geography have to go and sell their produce in this mandi now in this mandi there are representatives who are called who are the middlemen we are talking about and these uh, you know these they are the traders so they set up an auction where uh, you sell your produce everyone who is let's say everyone who is producing cauliflowers will come to one person and then whole lots will be auctioned and then there will be some fees for uh, the buyers and the buyers can competitively sort of bid for all these cauliflowers and because there are many buyers in one place so the farmers will get better price how is this price decided it is an open auction system so basically if you go to that lot for example uh if you are in western india near uh, let's say uh, you know in one of the districts in the western india so you will get the buyers coming into your district and the sellers coming which are the sellers are the local people and they will come to your district let's say pepsi wants to buy cauliflower for whatever reason then pepsi should ideally come to these mandis and then buy these cauliflowers or reliance retail for example for their uh stores so they will come to these mandis and they buy cauliflowers in like quintals or uh, tons if they, if they can and that cauliflower will be sorted and then picked up now if reliance is there and also big basket is there or big bazaar is there then they will have a fight and then you will get the better price because reliance basically, wants better yeah simple basically the demand supply thing demand will come supply, there exactly so that is the broad theoretical approach of the mandi system okay now you can move forward with the problems uh, what we have in the bill yes so this is the uh, this is sort of uh, the principle behind the mandi and the question people these protesting people and other people are asking ki why do farmers want to bypass this system which gives them better price and uh, gives them better realization there is a lot of more competition suppose if pepsi were to approach one single farmer then they will pr- try to you know price they will negotiate hard on price if i if i will take 
produce from you but i you know you have to give me at a discount and because farmer cannot really fight with pepsi so he will accept lower prices that's the whole point and there is a bit of truth to that because there is always bargaining power who buys and who sells so if the seller is small the buyer has the price, pricing power so that is the argument the second argument is on the essential commodities act now by operation of this bills the essential commodity act has been restricted to only times of crisis so government will not collect all these commodities during normal times and that means there will be starvation there will be shortage what will there be people will hold all these community uh, commodities like tur dal and you know they will not sell them and then there will be overprice you know there will be shortage in the market and then they will release slowly is what people are worried about so that is the essence of the protest basically then there are other small small issues but those are minor issues uh, which are basically you know it's about political angle to this but yeah. they are different i think there is also uh, no authority where the farmers can go and complain about some malpractice also there is provision in the act where the collector and the administrative office authorities are given power to settle dispute so which is the same process there is no other you know even in the mandis there is it's a different process within the same administrative setup so it's not like a really different invention there is no system it's not like that okay and the main issue i have come across is that uh, farmers are fearing that there will be no minimum support price yes that now. is the third leg of the protest if there is no minimum support price then who will buy and so if you look at current procurement i mean hardly 10% of the procurement happens at msp okay and msp or the minimum support price is acts more like a signaling mechanism rather than setting the price for the farmer or the buyer so in many commodities msp has got is so low that the actual transactions are going up at way higher prices in some other cases the msp is very high but the real there is no offtake so it's not like the price is being designed but you know there has to be offtake by the government so if you have like you know 100 tons of produce and only one ton is being sold at msp and 99 is being sold at lower than msp then what you want is average realized price and that is not connected to anything because government has but, overstock of but why do these farmers accept the price uh, below msp <laughs> see there is msp is not like mrp okay so there is msp is the price at which government will buy that is the price set by the government that it will buy for its own stocking purpose so it acts as a signaling mechanism apart from that there is no so what happens is if you set a high msp let's say the market price is 80 and government says ki msp is 100 so first whatever is the requirement of government that is filled so government needs 500 tons 500 tons get filled at msp 100 rupees but the produce is not 500 tons it is 5000 tons so what about the 4500 which are remaining so they can't sell it nobody is buying it so what are you ready to pay me so i am ready to pay you 80 rupees because that's the market price so then that is paid at 80 rupees 
and uh, what the government buys uh, where is it distributed so it is it goes to the stocks in food corporation of india those are warehouses which are stocking all these uh, essential commodities for and then it is released through the pds system okay, so the public distribution public distribution system where you get on the ration card you get uh, 2 rupee rice <laughs> 2 rupee dal those things come from this msp i have been into that queue uh, in my childhood <laughs> that, <Yeah>. that <laughs> sugar and rice okay yeah uh, okay so now what the act does is he basically it is removing all the middlemen the representatives of, i think the apmc who used to buy directly from the farmers and farmers have an option to either sell to apmc or uh, sell it privately to any individual they want right Correct. it's it depends on the de- demand supply and also other things but in this scenario farmers can have more profit so why is it a problem to others so uh, if you if you look at the aspect of this act the acts only are adding channels in which farmers can sell so when the apmc act was designed if you see it, it was long back in 1950s and uh, when the apmc act started coming into play and uh, the idea was that you will produce locally agriculture was a smaller segment of the uh, economy it was a larger segment of indian economy but uh, the idea was that agriculture was not global uh, business so what happened was whatever you produce locally would be sold locally and bought locally and consumed locally it was a in let's say if we co- uh, use a business parlance the operations of the agriculture industry were local and the sales were also local and the price set was also local now this was the dimension in which this act came about now from 1950s to 2000s the whole thing has changed now agriculture is it's still local operation but it's global pricing america because we are exporting a lot because exports are available and because many of these products could not be stored they could not be transported now you can transport them through refrigerated containers you can store them in cold storage facilities across the country so even things like apples which were only available in certain locations now you can get apples right up to chennai any part of the world you get apples where, where they are supposed to be grown in only cooler climates you can get almost mangoes throughout the you know which variety is different but you will get some sort of mango across the year you will get some sort of watermelons across the year so these are seasonal food but those can be done so agriculture has transformed but now the farmer is still required to sell locally set price locally operate locally whereas things are moving global now in this this difference what happened was the middlemen they used the global price signals they used the national price signals they used the state level price signals and they suppress the farmers earning by accumulating stock or releasing stock at the wrong time so that the farmers get in a big soup so when at, because farmers at the time of sowing that is in june july when a monsoon arrives they have no visibility on what is the price that they are going to you know get so if you sow let's say if you are producing onion so at the time of producing it's like you know 35 rupees per kg 
you sow so and then you know you by the time everyone is sowing onion only by the time the harvest time comes every there is whole lot of onion you can get it at 2 rupees per kg for them so that is not even covering the cost of the plantation forget labor just the whole amount of water they have spent on that crop the amount of fertilizer they have spent on the crop insect they said that is also not covered then you know they sell this produce to middlemen the middlemen accumulate the stocks then government opens the export market and the prices shoot up from 3 to 15 and guess who gets the 3 to 15 margin Yeah. So this is the whole game, and because farmers are only required to sell to these people, these people stop all the price signals from coming to them. So if Pepsi was, or you know, or any of these companies wanted to buy from the farmer, they will already they say that this guy makes this guy gives a good product. So I will tell him that next year you sell all your onions to me. I will pay you twelve rupees, which is the market rate today. and they are ready to sign the contract with him so he gets a sure shot price of 12 rupees and he is going to uh, you know invest in his farm accordingly he he will not invest 24 rupees he will invest 5 rupees or 10 rupees and he will make that 2 rupees or 3 rupees profit so why not and again if he wants he can sell it through apmc he has got another option so why not that's the question so in okay. effect what happens is ki you get more market you get market opportunity so if you look at agriculture you basically if you want you know the whole game is about making the farmers profitable and making their incomes and livelihoods more sustainable so that they don't commit suicide they are able to repay their loans government doesn't have to you know write off their way farm loan waiver is almost every 2 years something or the other has to come up all that goes away so how to ensure that so in theory you can have the you know basically the the principle for improving farming is basically five points are there one is what is called agriculture extension which is basically technical support ki what seeds to take what fertilizer how much which pesticide when to put when to sow when to reap how much water when to give water not too much not too little all those things are called technical inputs which are called agricultural extension so that is one part the second is basically if you the farm farmer needs money because he doesn't have money so credit availability he needs a loan from which he will buy seeds fertilizers and all those things so that is credit availability then third part which is what these bills are accessing is market access he should be able to sell his produce in multiple channels from wherever he gets the best price he will he should be able to sell so if uh, a hotel chain wants to get like in in japan they have a auction of fish with the biggest or the best trout or whatever fish or you know they have multiple fishes and the restaurant chains bid that fish some of the fish the fish itself sells for million million dollars so if such an option site is set up by some uh, online ventures farmers will be <laughs> happy to sell it but there are two more um, elements to making farmers profitable and that is basically what is missing in these bills and that is the risk management systems which is basically uh, a way to help farmers reduce its risk and the fifth one is your value addition 
so if you you know then we can go on detail with all of them but i think there is an option for contract farming so that would be like the risk management point would be covered there right yes but uh, you know like contract is a market access it's not really a risk management because risk management is at what price you make a contract so contract by itself reduces risk but let's say if i i'm not aware of what is the situation globally or whatever the situation nationally let's say in the nation there is a mood that everyone is going to buy you know ginger just for whatever ginger ale is going to take off or something of that sort and i am supposed to be in a contract farming and i am writing a contract accepting a terms that i will sell you at 10 rupees per kg for the next 5 years so it's not risk management for me because i have actually increased my risk because the outside the price is you know going to be 115 not 15 <laughs> so then so yeah have it has two sides so it has two sides so how will i be able to make that decision is through knowledge through information and like if you want to discuss the risk management side you can look at oil industry so oil industry is also commodity industry and it has the same same basically you know character as an agricultural industry except that it is one key difference it is a very capitally you know high capital investment industry agriculture is very small small farmers all together oil industry is like five big players which have like you know each of them have a turnover which is bigger than most many countries so why is this that is because oil industry has a mechanism where all the futures options commodity trading that whole thing tells them whether this oil at 45 dollars which is my cost is it profitable or not should i drill this well or not that is what is known to them at the time of drilling basically you know if you go in detail oil investments are spread out over 7 8 10 years in deep water it is like 40 50 years but farming we are not able to give the farmer a sense that whether planting this crop which is whatever you want you want to plant uh, eggplant let's say or uh, you want to do uh, staples like cotton you want to plant cotton then what is the price that you will approximately gain you cannot tell them so by the time you know this year if cotton is costly everyone plants cotton and next year it's like flooding of cotton nobody wants to buy cotton boss cotton hai to throw it away why because there is no price for cotton 2 rupees i will give you this is ki my transport cost is also not covered this is ki that's i am giving you a favor by buying it so this is the thing that happens so if price information of some sort like ITC has developed Ichopal where they use the Ichopal system to procure wheat from the mandis and all these places they give the real time price that we are procuring at this price and farmers are getting better realizations now that system can technically if you do it at the national level which is what the government meant by setting up a enam or electronic national agricultural market that was the first reform that they got about i think 2 years back or 3 years back so that creates that market now simply having a market and nothing in it is of no use you have to have futures options so let's say if i am maggi noodles if i am i'm nestle i'm wanting to make maggi noodles with some masala spices i can 
say ki my i i'm going to need 10 tons of these 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 spices over the next years and i can see the prices and i can tell them okay why don't you you know i want to sell it at 25 rupees these packets so i will buy this spices at this price the more you tell the farmer the easier the farmers will react and if yes. let's say ki nestle tells ki i want to buy only 100 tons finished 100 tons is over then people will not plant those things okay so those are the risk management things which can come in so more awareness and education is also necessary regarding this right yes so how to run a, a sophisticated agriculture business a modern day agriculture business needs to be brought in now that will require similar risk management skills as in any other commodity business in you know uh, in metals or in any other commodity or any other modern business basically what you are proposing is some uh, big giant like maybe reliance or mahindra or someone must enter into the agriculture market too not so that at all. not at all actually what i'm saying is ki you know the basic premise is that ki this has to be done and farmers have to benefit from it now who can set up a huge network a market so these for... people can help the farmers no market the responsibility of setting up markets is actually governments so governments the whole responsibility is basically uh, have your borders guard your borders can we trust the government that they uh, implemented it in such a sophisticated manner see i mean if you technically see a stock market is also a market which is you know it's a private company but it is a national company okay nse national stock exchange NSE. or uh, you know things like that a bse is like a mandi yeah. which is run by the broker okay mm. nse is run by it's a conglomeration of banks which are running the market but it is a nationalized market now when the mm. market is run and it's an efficient market the brokers make money but they make only a percentage the main money is made by the people who uh, set up these you know to supply the goods so that is the objective of this that the farmers make money and brokers provide a service at a fee but their fee is a percentage not multiple of farmers income so farmer is earning 100 the broker is earning 10000 this is not to be done farmer should earn 10000 broker should earn 120 or no 1000 why not and then there will be more sophisticated brokers not only those with connections so you and i can also become a a broker and help negotiate this contract between a company let's say a company which is buying hundreds of kgs of stuff they don't want to you know deal with one by one every farmer so they will engage some company to go and meet with the farmers and create a, a buying at a lower cost but bet high quality buying the product should be good so basically if you go in any of these reliance fresh or and go to the vegetable section many of these vegetables are so you know almost dead the people say you know don't buy it from them buy it from outside because they are fresh that whole thing will change and they will get the good produce at a good price and they will be able to ensure higher quality supplies at lower prices so reliance when you go to the supermarket you will get better quality apples better quality uh, you know tur or whatever dal or rice peat and then it will be at a lower cost 
so this is also one fear which the opposition is pressing on that uh, the current act will help all the corporations to hack the agricultural sector and even you are saying that this must not happen i think what's the problem in that if they enter see it is not like um, corporations can enter they have no problem i am no problem in corporations entering i am a problem in corporations setting up a market okay market is a is a social good which government should set up and they have set up it's a enam okay so uh, all these corporates should be a buyer in those markets so you go to they should go to enam like all this anyone who wants to let's say um, you know dominos pizza wants to procure all the wheat and whatever they need for you know they should go to enam they should have an account ki dominos pizza is setting up an order ki mere ko 10000 kilograms of ye chahiye 50000 tons of ye chahiye and then you know all these things they set up and then farmers say ki, you know i can give you 5 tons and then they say ki, okay i accept 5 tons order out of that so i am sell, selling 5 tons of wheat to dominos sitting in i don't know andhra or you know madhya pradesh and uh, the guy in west bengal is selling rice to dominos and this can happen i mean there is no nothing limiting that and that will create value for the farmer because farmer can see what price they are ready to offer so dominos says ki i want to offer at 20 rupees so the whoever is the cheapest farmer who can guarantee that quality so it need not be farmer from punjab who can give you that quality farmer from i don't know um, i don't know orissa he might be able to do it at that price he says ki 20 rupees is good for me mere i mean he can do it in 20 rupees the quality is good then of course why not so he will benefit suddenly and the punjab farmer can farm something else which is more valuable yeah okay uh, so you were talking about the value addition in all those five points you explained so can you tell us more about value addition so value so basically uh, when we talk about farmers uh, incomes so one is uh, you know to have more marketing and more uh, channels to uh, for the farmers to sell their produce but other is to have much more valuable uh, produce to sell now for example let's say if i have uh, a fruit then it is perishable it has got x value if i turn it into jam then it has got 10x value and it is not perishable anymore so this is the basis and it is you know in uh, agriculture chain is evaluated from basically it's called farm to fork so at one end you have the farmer and the other end you have a, a chef like sanjeev kapoor or some such chef now if you see that farmer produces something which gets transformed and gets transformed and gets transformed and reaches sanjeev kapoor's kitchen and he makes a dish and then you get the dish and then you eat it and that's where the whole thing ends and that is the whole chain so you pay the premium price for that sanjeev kapoor dish sanjeev kapoor in in it you know by himself will pay a premium for whatever he buys from the farmer um, now what can be added added to this so that is the question so basically if you want value addition then you want to 
set up all different kinds of food processing units now it cannot be now in west they have simple sauce jam and mixes kind of approach to food in india we have the masala combos approach to food so you know we have like different kinds of masalas and then you know we have the staple foods masala and then you get your dish so can we invent something can all these companies put to come together and now when you have access to quality raw materials these innovations will start where companies will come like maggi has started selling its spice mix only spice mix they are not selling the noodles anymore they are only selling the spice mix now why are they selling the spice mix because they realize that noodles is x value but spice mix has the better value so let's create that spice mix and sell it so why not companies come together and they start innovating and then they create this value addition and then you will find that these companies will be ready to pay higher price because they are getting more and more money in return of this or farmers will themselves set up these kinds of units like in milk processing they have done so farmers are producing milk cheese butter everything and then they are getting more value for that same amount of raw milk that they produce similarly they can get more value from the raw pro- agricultural produce that they get even today farmers don't uh, you know mill their grains what stops them so there is separate milling station now milling is not such a complicated machine but you can think about lots of things can be done by these innovations yeah mm-hmm. and i think not much cost will be incurred in setting up a mill right no it is not a is not a costly thing at all but yeah. the thing is that uh, you know it's like some of the things have already traditionally been done in a way because investments are not coming so once farmers have money then they will explore these in avenues so innovation happens when people have money across the chain so farmers have money they will start you know instead of selling grain they will start selling you know maybe uh, the flour or they they may be you know saying ki i will give you not just the powder flour but i will give you the dough or something of that sort they will invent something and then you will get better and better quality now if you try we had so many grains okay wheat and rice were the only one part but there were lot of millets which we use ragi ragi is almost disappeared in mod- modern uh, thing they yeah. might stage a comeback because farmers know how to use it and make it more tasty and what dishes to make yeah. they will tell you and they say you know usme to x 10 rupees value milta hai wheat mein because there is lot of competition ragi mein mereko 20 rupees milta hai even though mrp is only 30 rupees but i get 20 rupees it's a better deal exactly and these are actually more healthy than born vita and, and yeah. publix <laughs> and you imagine that you know if you ask globally what is one thing that they would want more of they say indian food and they are talking about basically punjabi food or south indian food when they get all these flavors they say ki there is no end to indian food you know <laughs> bring it on yeah there is enough opportunity and we can't sell rice and wheat grain in the world market because your rice grain is same as european rice grain or european wheat grain is same as your wheat grain or there is better ours is better there is a competition still you get lower price 
okay if you sell you know something else then you get more value a product that, some product yes, from that exactly yeah. so the, just like the mag- magic masala example magic, magic masala magic masala is an additive but you look at it uh, you know the grapes they created wines and wines are now having x value there is you know or 100x value of grapes for example we can uh, like sell some laddus made of ragi or something yeah that would be a great thing yeah yeah and then your ragi will become more popular hmm and then you can produce that ragi. <laughs> that is made of these grains and then like okay Yeah. yeah and then you can set up different so all this requires the those investment like you know i don't know if you're familiar with chitale bandhu chitale bandhu makes 50 products but they source all the ingredients locally all they can buy now from you know contract farming they will be very happy to do it and they will get good quality stuff your haldirams now you can have standardized their rasgullas and uh, those sweets but now because they are milk based milk is quite organized industry but now you can standardize even their you know uh, bujiyas and all these those also will get much better okay. even those are standardized but many other there yeah not much popular you know yeah so those products those will start getting popularized because quality becomes you know you can the main factor yeah you can control quality i know this farmer is good that farmer is not good i'll give him better price than that farmer all these differentiation happens okay so we have i think covered all the main points regarding the bills and pros and cons of this current legislation uh, any final words around uh, so broadly we have covered everything i think so uh, you know in a nutshell these uh, bills are a good first step that's what we can say or a good second step if you call few of these other legislation as first step but there is more to be done and in fact i wrote an article saying that this is only the you know initial step and more needs to be done and there is also another uh, research paper which i wrote about how to cover the risk management element of the farming by setting up something what we what i have called is smart agriculture management system so that takes care of the risk management for farmers and that can be set up by government itself so we'll provide those links in the description okay for sure we'll include those links in the show notes below and if you want to know more about the smart agricultural management system do read the that paper and the money life article thank you for listening to this podcast we'll come up with a new episode next week thank you Thank you.